San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right, everybody, my name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle on a good night, down to Cabo, out to the desert. If you download the app for 760KFMB, you can hear us as the show airs. And all these podcasts are commercial free on iWayMoney.com. We're free on iTunes if you search the title of the show. Now time to introduce the main man of the hour. He's a CPA extraordinaire, an accomplished marathon runner, a best-selling author, a lecturer, a philanthropist, and a fa- uh, family office expert advising several high-net-worth families, Rich. Richard Musio, good evening. How are you tonight? Well, Joe, I'm alive. I <laughs> had to dodge a rolling tire down the going backwards on the 805 <laughs> South. It was going north down the grade. So uh-huh. here's the moral of the story. If you get a flat tire on the freeway and you pull over to the side. Call AAA. Call AAA. <laughs> and but stay if in your car. Exactly. But if you're a do-it-yourselfer and you bring that new tire out, lay it flat on the ground. Because if you place it upright on a, it's gonna roll. On a hill, it's going to roll downhill. How so this that? tire, I'm going south on the 805, uh-huh. up the hill towards UTC, yeah. and it's rolling back north down the hill, bouncing off of cars, and of course a couple of cars bounced off of one another. Uh. And traffic came to a complete stop while this genius's brand new tire wound up, I guess, down in Sorrento Valley. Well, on the freeway, especially call for help because, uh, and if you're, if it's, especially if it's on the driver's side of the car and you're right. facing traffic or whatever, if you're on the side of the car where you're facing traffic, I mean, you don't want to be but, out But if you're too cheap to have triple A, just lay the tire flat. On then the call double A. Call yeah, A. Call, call single A. I don't care. <laughs> Anyway, hey, this uh, new Beatles documentary that uh, Ron Howard produced or directed uh, is uh, it's out this week. It's going to be, I believe, at the Angel is it the Angelica Angelica Theaters up to Carmel. I don't know how you say it. I don't know how to say it. Carmel. Carmel. No. But anyway, look for it there. It's going to be also, I believe, at La Paloma in your neck of the woods, Richard, oh, yeah. for a couple of couple of nights. The theater and, that has the dog wandering yeah. around during the movie. And the weird thing feet. is, this, this it's not going to have a long run. I think it's going to go directly to Hulu. And you would figure with Ron Howard, with his track record, you could get it into theaters a little longer. But uh, maybe Hulu just made a big play for it. But uh, if you miss it at the theaters, check it out there. Also, I was able to see an advanced screening of Snowden uh, last night, and boy, that uh, it's opening pretty widely, I believe, this week. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt did a nice job, and uh, it's an Oliver Stone film. Whatever you think of Oliver Stone, I found out uh, doing a little research that uh, he was so ensconced in the film and the budget was such an issue that he couldn't afford to take four days off because I think they were shooting in Germany to come back to his mother's funeral. So he, wow. missed, he missed his mother's funeral in order to com- complete this film. So that's dedication, hmm. whatever you think of him or, that's or, one the, word or, or the kind. <laughs> uh, and sadly, I think we should, <laughs> should we just have a postmortem for the Chargers right now? I mean, my gosh, <laughs> Richard. That was so I'm at the airport in San Francisco, and they were up, let's see, they were up 27 to. 24 to 3, I think. No, so it was 27 to 10. Okay. And, you know, I just see this. We had a 21-point lead, though, at one point. Yeah, but so anyway, they're up by 17. And you see, you know, just the fourth quarter, and it's like at the bottom of the TV screen. And I said to my wife, 28-27, Chiefs, when we get home. So I was close. It was 33-27. <laughs> well, I went to OT, so well, you're going to win by either six or three in overtime. So yeah, They can't even win a coin toss. Yeah. yeah. Boy, that's something else. So, yeah, much, yeah, so much for that new stadium. Bob. Yeah, Rivers never even touched the ball in the overtime, but... Uh, yeah. Anyway, I don't know what to make of it. We'll just hold our Go Chargers <laughs> to L.A. <laughs> 
I don't think they're going to leave either. They can't leave. They're in a, they're stuck. We're stuck with them. We'll talk about that. Hey, we've got a pretty important guest. Let's yeah. get to it. Let's get to him. He's a port commissioner. He's worn a lot of hats in this town. He's been very active in the in pol- politically and and otherwise. And uh, his name is Bob Nelson. Bob, welcome to our show. Joe, thanks very much for having me. Yeah, we really uh, appreciate you being here. Um, gosh, you've got a you've got a pretty colorful history. I, I saw on your wink LinkedIn you went to the College of Hard Knocks, and then next thing you know, you're in all these wonderful commissions and appointments and whatnot. So you're going to have to explain yourself, young man. <laughs> but, but Joe, Joe, we 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 start at birth. We start at birth. I'm born and raised where, and and uh, and re- and educated where, and how you find your way to San Diego. So, how about that for starters, Bob? Well, uh, as you've indicated, I'm I'm not a college graduate. In fact, I've uh, never finished a a class in college. I've tried a couple times. Um, See, when you get successful, you can brag about that. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. Well, uh, the, I tried a political science course uh, at a community college once, and. They decided that I didn't know what I was talking about, and I kept <laughs> arguing with the professor, and so I quit. Uh-huh. And uh, but uh, I was raised east of East LA, okay. uh, which sounds you know pretty ghetto, uh-huh. uh, but actually uh, town Whittier, uh, home of uh, Richard Nixon, Nixon. Mm-hmm. yeah, and also uh, the last Mexican governor of California, mm-hmm. uh, and then gravitated uh, to uh, Orange County when I was in my late teens, and and. Uh, eventually have settled here in San Diego for the last oh, 15, 16 years. What, what brought you down to San Diego? Well, I've had businesses here um, since I've been doing business here since the early 80s, actually, and had a uh, company here uh, since the early 90s. And just, you know, eventually decided that this is where I wanted to uh, live. Before I was here, I was up in the mountains in the Idaho-Wyoming border uh and decided to trade the horses and the snowmobiles and the fly fishing rods for some sailing. heavier equipment and and uh and a sailboat yeah you like sailing and you like scuba and and all that so um but God, who was the mexican governor of california by the way uh, uh pio pico pico the last mexican yeah. governor of california and by, and by the way pio pico was born in uh, old town and his first ranch was in uh, humul and he eventually ended up in uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, Pico was a native San Diegan. Yeah, right, yeah. right. And, and so, you know, you got P- Pico Boulevard and yeah. Pico and Sepulveda. I know on TV they have. Well, uh, what year was he governor? What years was he governor? Oh, like? my God, don't do this well, to me. Well, he, he was 1800s, he, he, right? Well, you'd have to tell me when the Gadsden Purchase was. I mean, I, I, <laughs> you remind me of that, and I'll tell you when he stopped but being I mean, governor. We're talking that 1800s, though, right? I mean, yeah. No, okay. Huh. Well, a little bit of history we learned there, folks. How about that? So, uh, well, I know you're a sailing enthusiast, and you had a, an interesting company involving Anheuser-Busch, so uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about that and then how you went into lobbying and whatnot. But tell us about the whole beer enterprise before craft beer even got big. Right. Well, while I don't mind lobbyists, because they refer quite a bit of business over the years to me, I am not a lobbyist. I don't I do not do that part of the business. I, I help uh, various— I mean, uh, an advocacy organization. Yeah, 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 right. I help various— uh, Interests, be they uh, corporations or labor unions or charities, whatever it or, may be, or, help communicate with the broader public. And mm-hmm. uh, was involved with Anheuser Busch for about twelve years, uh, working for August Bush the third and some of his executives as they were creating uh, their responsible drinking program. Uh, <laughs> know when to say when. And I also uh, at that time started a, a national advocacy group for beer drinkers called Beer Drinkers of America. I mean, God bless them. Now, how did you get a relationship with Augie Bush, for gosh sakes? I mean, um... I, I, got, I got a call from one of his people from St. Louis one day saying that they were facing some uh, challenges in Illinois, of all places, across the river from St. Louis. 
And would I come in and just kind of chat with him about my perspectives? And I did. Mm. And lo and behold, I didn't even know who the man was. Uh, sitting in the room was August Bush III. No one had introduced <laughs> him since everyone else was smart enough to know who he was. And I was just Also this, the owner of the St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> there you go. You're good. His father was the... The big, big Cardinals fan. Well, they uh, don't call a Bush Stadium for nothing. That's Richard. right. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. right. His dad, Gussie, was the you know the guy that was the really into the Cardinals and and uh, also uh, was the person who at the as soon as Prohibition was repealed, he pulled up in front of the White House with a uh, wagon uh, led by Clydesdales full of uh, with uh, about kegs of beer for the White House. Oh so. my God, we got to get a picture of that. <laughs> it, it exists. Yeah. Really? That is incredible. That's great PR right there. If you were around, you probably would have orchestrated that too. <laughs> well, Gussie, who his August dad, who he actually was taken out in a in a uh, insider uh, force takeover by August the fourth. Uh, was a tremendous uh, guy in uh, sports and enthusiast. He was a uh, he raced uh, uh, horse carriages, uh, and uh, his his slogan for the company was "Making friends is our business." And uh-huh. I think that's permeated. I don't know how well things are going since it got bought by InBev, the huge conglomerate of uh, alcohol companies, but. Uh, certainly under the leadership of the family, it, it was, you I know. Didn't, I didn't realize there was that, that infighting like that. That must have been pretty horrible, huh? With the yeah, yeah. Uh, as uh, things changed when uh, Miller Brewing was bought by Philip Morris, uh, mm-hmm. and Philip Morris really knew the television industry, and, um, you know, probably a lot of your listeners won't won't realize that there was a time when, you know, you would turn on TV and there would be a, a doctor in a white coat telling you you should smoke cigarettes. It would help oh, yeah. him for your health. And mm-hmm. there were dancing Chesterfield boxes. Well, and people all... used to smoke cigarettes on yeah. live TV yeah. shows. Talk yeah, to four, four out of five doctors, as a matter of fact. Anyway, more about this interesting stuff with Commissioner Bob Nelson right after these words. Hang on. All right, we're back with poor Commissioner Bob Nelson. Interesting history here, talking about his relationship with Anheuser-Busch, and uh, I guess he opened up a communications firm here at some point in time, and uh, when did that happen, Bob, and and, uh, what did you do there? I mean, what were some of your major accomplishments? Well, I founded the company in actually in 1977, and it really got going in 1978 up in uh, Orange County, and Mm -hmm. uh, so I began doing statewide uh, projects for a number of different things uh, related to the mostly ballot propositions uh, in 1980. So I was, you know, this is one of the major markets. So I was doing a lot of work down here, mm-hmm. um, you know, from the early 80s. Uh, sometime, I can't remember the year when uh, SDG&E uh, was being attacked by uh, Southern California Edison trying to take over a lot of their area. Uh, right now, uh, SDG&E serves Southern Orange County up to about Laguna Beach and across to Mission Viejo. And Edison out of L.A. was trying to take that away from them. So mm. they hired me to come in and, and help them out with that. And then I eventually began working with them on other things. So, so SDG&E was actually my first client down here. And then after a few years, Anheuser-Busch, uh, so this would have been in the 80s, uh, uh, later in the 80s, uh, acquired uh, SeaWorld. And uh, decided right. to put in a team of horses there and have a tasting room, as so you could see the Clydesdales. If you uh-huh. were an adult, you could go in and have a, a little, you know, shot of beer and, uh-huh. and taste their product. And Mothers Against Drunk Driving went bananas. <laughs> and so I got called in by Susie Bush, August's daughter, who was in charge of Bush, uh, um, uh, those types of activities for Anheuser-Busch. And so I began working on that down here. And 
in their early in the early nineties, ninety one, I think I opened a full time office here in San Diego and had a presence here ever since. Did you ever do anything with the Irvine Company? Yeah, the Irvine Company was a client of mine for about a dozen years. An incredible visionary company. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, and the I guy, love those guys. yeah, the the guy that put it all together uh, as we know it today, Donald Bren, mm-hmm. uh, whose father, by the way, Milton Bren, was the producer of Topper. So I don't know if any can remember the ho- the Ghostess with the Mostess. I, re- I, re- I remember yeah. the show vaguely, but you know, I- you know the dog that drank martinis out of a, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the kind of thing I I, rem- I remember. And his dad was Milton Bren, but you know he he, he and when uh, Donald got out of the Marine Corps. He wanted to build houses, and so he he arranged a fifty thousand dollar loan from his dad, which you know was a lot of money in the right. in the nineteen sixties. But mm-hmm. you know it wasn't like someone handed him you know a, a billion dollars or or even millions of dollars. And mm-hmm. He ended up acquiring the Irvine Company in a in a real interesting deal and bidding mm-hmm. with against Mobile Oil, and, and now he's worth billions of dollars and mm-hmm. tremendous visionary. Mm-hmm. There you go. One of my favorite places, Pelican Hill. Yeah, yeah, it's great. You golf. No, not well. Oh, good. I wouldn't. But, yeah, but don't, I enjoy, don't start with Pelican Hill. Yeah, yeah. But, but I enjoy Pelican Hill otherwise. So, Bob, how, how did pres- you come to have President Clinton appoint you to this uh, U.S. Competitiveness Policy Council? Because that was a pretty big deal, right? That kind of set the course for you in, in the terms of other public service, right, or, or commission appointments, right? Yeah, that's actually, you're right. The Although I, well, I was quite young, in my 20s, I uh, served as uh, one of the directors of the Orange County Health Planning Council, and that's the entity that authorizes hospitals to be built or to add rooms or to put in, you know, mega expensive equipment, or at least did at that time. So I, I'd had some earlier experience, and, and I worked in government uh, in uh, for the Board of Supervisors and whatnot. But um, in, and I was a Republican in Orange County, and in the 80s, uh, in the 70s, uh, you know, you could be a Republican was a big tent, as Dwight Eisenhower called it. You know, there uh-huh. were people that went everywhere from, you know, Barry Goldwater, you know, and, and Curtis LeMay over on the yeah. right to, to you know, Nelson Rockefeller and John Lindsay and, yeah. and uh, you know, several senators uh, from around the country. Yeah, now it's sort of like a circus tent. <laughs> well, in 92, I just, I, I, the party I had joined and had been, you know, vice president of the state Young Republicans, I had been the chief of staff for a U.S. senator that was appointed uh, by Pete Wilson to replace him when he was became governor, and, and I had run campaigns for, you know, dozens of Republicans. But the party I had joined in as a, as a young man uh, just was gone for me, you know, mm-hmm. uh, by, by 1992. And I began listening to this guy from Arkansas that mm-hmm. I'd never really heard of before named Bill Clinton. And I just, I, I really felt I needed to do something well, different. Well, kind of Republican light in a lot of ways, right? I mean, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I think Bernie Sanders would certainly agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but but uh, so I formed an organization called Republicans for Clinton and kicked it off uh, uh, the day after the Republican National Convention in 92 and then went to about a dozen states campaigning, uh, organizing Republicans uh, for the Clinton campaign and uh, that's how I got to know him, and oh. and uh, later on, uh, when he became president, he decided to appoint me as this 
small business representative on the U.S. Competitiveness Policy Council. Comp- competitive relative to other countries? or Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, how can America do a better job of competing other than just whining about it, which mm-hmm. is what we hear a lot of. Yeah. And that was a bipartisan organization, too, yeah. right? So yeah, yeah. It was, it was uh, appointments uh, on both, from both parties and appointments by uh, the House leadership, the Senate leadership, and the president. Right. So then Public Utilities Co- Advisory Commission here in San Diego, and then uh, Chairman of the Convention Center Corporation. Uh, how did that happen? <laughs> uh, it, it came as an outgrowth, I think, of my work with the Public Utilities Advisory Commission. That that organization uh, was converted over into something with a much more narrow mission, uh, thanks to uh, Carl DeMaio, who wanted it to only be focusing on, on, on the cost of things. And, you know, to me, there's a lot more that goes with water issues uh, than merely cost. Cost mm-hmm. is important, but you know there's a whole lot of things about quality and availability and whatnot. So it, it the job became a little bit the soup became too thin for me to remain interested in it. And Tony Atkins, uh, then a city council member, asked me if uh, I were nominated to the convention center, would I want to do that? And I thought, well, you know, I know something about that area, and mm-hmm. so you know I'll do that. So I did that for five years. Yeah. You're also a California Film Commissioner, is that right? Yes, uh, uh, that's actually my newest endeavor. Uh, is with the California Film Commission. What do you do there? Well, the the Film Commission uh, advises the legislature and the governor on uh, things that the state can do to attract additional uh, business into California for for film and for video, for television, for the big screen. Uh, increasingly, I think we'll see that move to what they call the, the you know the three screens, or mm-hmm. if you include the big screen, the four four screens. Uh, of our, you know, our computer, our, our home TV, uh, and, uh, and, our, and our mobile device uh, that we're walking around with most of us. Um, and so what it does is it provides incentives to companies that, that produce here in California. Um, and it's a big deal, uh, you know, by providing those, because we've been losing stuff. I mean, as a, as a San Diegan, a lot of people may remember you know, great stuff like, you know, uh, Top Gun, My Blue Heaven. Simon and Simon. You're, there you go. But well, you, What was only Dave and Jansen? He did some, didn't do some Hawaii Five O from here or something? Could, could, could have. Don't, yeah. don't know. But, you know, re- recently the business has, has increasingly left uh, California generally, but also San the, Diego. Even less. The, I mean, a lot of it's gone up to Canada, too. Exactly right. Exactly right. And, you know, it's a business like anything else. And so, you know, we're trying to do... Uh, with the help of the legislature, which has appropriated about $300 million a year in tax credits for people that decide to produce here. And uh, we're now seeing even some uh, stirring of life here in San Diego. Uh, This month, there's the kickoff of a new uh, television uh, series called Pitch, about the first woman who becomes a major league uh, baseball player. And uh, that uh, has been shot at Petco Park. I was there for shooting of the pilots. A lot of fun. Mm -hmm. uh, And uh, looking forward to it. Oh, yeah, that was it. There was actually people in the stand. (laughs) 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 Yeah, they got to pay them, Richard. We (laughs) had to pay the extras. You're right. The joke is you win the charity prize, Joe, and the first prize is two Padre tickets, and second prize is four Padre tickets. But anyway. And thanks to Tony Atkins, who was the person who appointed me in her role as Speaker of the State Assembly, she also got additional funding for for this effort with a a bump if you produce outside of the LA area. Mm. So those of us who are, you know, down here in San Diego, uh, you know, I'm I'm a San Diegan. I mean, it's in my blood. Uh, I'm here for the rest of my life. And, you know, so seeing more job opportunities for people here locally is something I'm really looking forward to. 
And there's a lot of great film production uh, companies or people here. I, I know there's a group of uh, three or four guys that are sitting around a coffee house. They're, they're busy making comedies and some commercial spots and whatever. And um, so, uh, you know, to provide more opportunity and incentive, that'd be great. Hey, we'll be back with Commissioner Bob Nelson right after these announcements. Stay tuned. We're back with the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life. And now it is time for Richard to thank our sponsors. Big thank you to our sponsors. As always, could not do the show without them, especially UBS and Mr. Michael Caronto. Hey, Mike, we finally got that meeting scheduled for September 21. We had about 19 different options that went on and off the calendar. So I'm just confirming it here on air in case you don't check your email. But UBS, great sponsor. Couldn't do it without them. Also, our favorite CPAs on the planet. We have two groups of them, Polito Epic CPAs, more traditional CPAs up in San Marcos as well as Jason Kruger's great CFO company, Signature Analytics. Let me try that again, Signature Analytics. Also, our great friend Joel Gruskin, he's an upcoming guest with Cost Segregation Initiatives, helping real estate owners improve their cash flow. Last week's guest, Brenda Geiger, Geiger Law Offices. Brenda, of course, specializes in estate planning and asset protection. Check out our website for a couple of great events that she has coming up here soon. Our favorite banker, Sean Puckett, who just got back from surfing in Tabarua. He said it was a combination business surfing trip. Where was this? Tabarua. Kaba, say it Tava, T-A-V-A-R-U-A. It's a great surf spot. Where is that? I have no idea. <laughs> but it sounds really nice. And I don't think he did much work. So Sean Puckett and Lane Elliott with California Republic Bank, a really neat bank that specializes in serving wealthy families and family offices. Also, Neil Staley with Hub International, also known as Mars. Maddox Insurance, a great employee benefits firm. A lot of open enrollment periods coming up. Check out Hub International. The LG Experience and the Lombardi Group helping wealth advisors make heroes out of CPAs to the CPA's very best clients. Also, Paul Hines, CEO of Hearthstone Private Wealth Management. Paul, of course, heads up the SeniorSafeAndSound.org initiative here in San Diego, helping to prevent financial elder abuse. Also, Nathan Watkins, who just changed companies. More on that in about a week or two. Nathan is a great mortgage broker. And I'm going to confirm when I'm allowed to say what his move is to a really great new company. Also, we have a couple of new sponsors. Well, one came back, Carl Sheeler, but not as his business valuation business. Carl's got a really cool charity project going on in Colorado called Two Bears Ranch, helping to provide equine therapy to veterans with PTSD. And a recent guest just became a sponsor this week, Joe. That would be Michelle St. Clair with Elite Lifestyle Management Club, Elm.com. Elite's company does a great job helping people with all kinds of things that they need to get done when they don't have time to do it themselves, like all the weird travel things I've been doing to places like Durango, Colorado, or like a friend of mine who needed lights installed underneath his couch. <laughs> Elite Lifestyle Management. Will I won't ask. Done for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to visualize what that might have been for. I do not know. And he if I did, I couldn't, the, I couldn't disclose. illuminate the dust bunnies. I don't know. Exactly. And I'm, I'm getting hungry talking about all of this, Joe. Do we have any food around here? Well, some other great sponsors are the Berry Good Food Foundation, headed up by Michelle Ciccarelli Lirac, and Lestat's Coffee Houses in Normal Heights, University Heights, and now Hillcrest, uh, open 24-7, 365. The third one in about in a few weeks, not quite yet. But great ambiance, great coffee all the time, and, and a lot of great people. And always crowded. And then also the Patio Restaurant Group, uh, the original on Lamont in, uh, in Pacific Beach, and then also up in Goldfinch in Mission Hills and, and, the, patio, and, and the Patio in Left Field, uh, the Petco Park. If you get to a ball game, check out some of the great food there. 
and Saskas and and uh, the Fireside in Liberty Station, and more stuff on the way with Gina Champion Kane. So we thank all of them. And Richard, I know if people get over to iymoney.com, there is a sponsor tab along the top of the the page. Just click on it, and you can find out more about all of our sponsors there. Their their contact information. And I know many have been working with you for many, many years with great success, right? Some cases since the late 1980s, <laughs> which I don't want to admit in public. But, but if we go back even to the 1960s, that's when our Port Commission was formed, getting mm-hmm. back to our guest with Bob Nelson, the Unified Port, Com- Port of San Diego. And it was a pretty powerful organization. Tell us some of the history. I know that the revenues were even greater. I know they're $133 million now, but uh, you were getting all the airport business too, right, Bob? And then uh, something happened, right? Right. Um, <clears throat> pardon me, Joe. Yes, um, the, uh, let me just take another sip. Okay. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, the airport is right next to the water in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, on a land basis, the airport is actually the port's biggest tenant, about mm-hmm. 760 acres. Uh, we have responsibility on behalf of the people of California uh, for about uh, 6,000 acres altogether, about uh, uh, 2,500 of it on land and 3,500 of, of water area immediately adjacent to the land in the, in the bay. So uh, the, uh, the airport is now our largest tenant. Uh, they were uh, a division of the port from its inception, and then mm, more than a dozen years ago, some uh, legislative ledger domain shenanigans, whatever one wants to call it, occurred. And overnight, uh, without warning, suddenly the airport was its own independent uh, entity. And, and, and so it is today, and we're merely their, their landlord. And, of course, when those planes land, uh, they pay a fee. And, and what's the revenue they generate for, for the airport authority, just for people? You know, I, I really don't have their numbers. It's hard enough to, for me to keep you know our numbers in, in, uh, in my head. But I will tell you that we're, we're now our budget is now – uh, more uh, along the lines of about $175 million okay. a year. We've had very substantial growth. You know, we don't get any taxes. I don't know if you know you guys know this, but we don't get any property tax money. We don't get any sales tax money. We don't get any in- income tax money. Uh, basically, the, the port is uh, more unique than most uh, in that we're the only agency like this in, in, in California that has a jurisdiction over the what are called the tidelands of five different cities, San Diego and Coronado, Chula Vista, National City, and Imperial Beach. Mm-hmm. And so we are a special district of the state. We're not part of any of those cities. We're not part of the county. Uh, we, we are our own independent organization. But we have to generate our own money. And we no longer have those landing fees that you've talked about. So right. every time a plane takes off or lands or whatever, the, the register rings. Mm-hmm. And I, now, I must also say that although that has been a, a very substantial blow to the port's finances because it makes much less money available for us to make improvements for the public around the port, I also got to say that that uh, the leadership of the airport's done, I think, a pretty terrific job. I mean, mm-hmm. particularly with Robert Gleason as the chair of these mm-hmm. last several years and with uh, Thelb Bone uh, as, uh, as the CEO, they're doing great things over there. Yeah, yeah their, re- their reconfiguration with parking and ingress yeah. and egress has been excellent. I was going to use those exact terms, Richard. Good for you. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and, and, and also the new rental car facility, which is part of that thing. And you, know, yeah. you don't have all the rental cars running around, and now we're going to be developing the property that you know, used to be you know, 50 
acres uh, uh, of, of land uh, right next to the bay with rental cars sitting in it. And well, instead, we're going to redevelop that part well, of Harbor Island. down all that. Was it Spaywar or Convair? All those uh, buildings were knocked down. That They took those over, right? Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. What, what came with that, uh, however, uh, is uh, the uh, pollution left behind at the bottom of the bay. And we mm-hmm. don't yet know whether, whether there is also... Uh, uh, Heavy metals, problem. Yeah. yeah, the heavy metals from construction during the years, particularly, you know, from World War II mm-hmm. onward, where, you know, we were so, you know, the people who were working here were working hard and helping to save America. I mean, yeah. the, the amount of product that was produced by uh, the greatest generation here mm-hmm. in San Diego uh, to make just thousands and thousands, of, particularly of aircraft, you know, was, was critical to America's success in World War II. And I think we too often forget about them. They, too, also served. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they've done a nice job converting Liberty Station, and hopefully we're getting more into a peacetime economy. I don't know. Uh, there's other people would debate that. Um, but uh, in any case, you've been at the port uh, starting when, Bob? Uh, I started in January of 2011. And then, what is it, two, four-year term? It's, a, it's a four-year term, and I was uh, recently, uh, uh, or late last year, I was renamed unanimously to a second four-year term. There you go. And then is it is uh, are there term limits or... Uh, there's a policy uh, of two terms. Uh, my predecessor, Steve Cushman, served three. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so there's there's a policy, but it, it, it has been observed both in uh, its enforcement and also uh, having been waived. Gotcha. So, um, well, some of the big issues, Seaport Village, Harbor Island. Uh, those well, are... Can we start with Seaport Village? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I love that place, Let's... but it seems to be underutilized. What, what's going on there? Well, so um, Seaport Village has had a lease for 40 years. I mean, it, it, nothing was there except, you know, mud flats right. uh, 40, 40 some years ago. And uh, it's been a, a, a nice development. It's, it's been a place where people can go and enjoy retail experiences and walk along yeah, the good, bay. Yeah, great place to walk. Yeah, but you, you're right. I mean, in terms of is that the best use of, of what is 25 acres right at the heart of the, you know, downtown and the, where downtown meets the water. Uh, so what we've done is we've, we've uh, the, the plans that were presented for redevelopment of that really didn't meet our standard of the investment we want to see on behalf of the people for the future. We want to have something that's much more um, broad in its appeal that will um, help serve not just the people from California and elsewhere that are visiting, but also the increasing population in downtown. Yeah, let's hold that thought right, though. We'll be be back with more Seaport Village and everything about the port with Bob Nelson right after this. Hang on. All right, that's for Captain Bob Nelson, sailing enthusiast and on the Port Commission. Welcome back. So, Bob, we were at Seaport Village, and um, so what's the vision for that? Have they chosen a, 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 a selected a project yet that's that's going to work, or is it still uh, in progress? No, we're we're moving on a, on a really good track there. Um, it, it's we can't afford to do what many people would consider business as usual for a government. Uh, we've got to move with the market. We have to move quickly. We have to be flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to be uh, imaginative. So what mm-hmm. we've done is we've taken the 25 acres of Seaport Village, combined it with about 30 acres of water uh, that is uh, now an, a very much underutilized uh, but historic area for the, where the tuna fleet is, mm-hmm. which is called Tuna Harbor. Tuna Harbor. And, and the whole project together comes out to about 70 acres mm-hmm. and 40 of that on land and 30 of it on the water. And uh, it's going to be uh, developed uh, we hope 
uh, as we move through the continued discussions uh, by a group put together by uh, GAFCON, uh, which is a very, very experienced organization in major project management, especially here in San Diego. Uh, but they've brought in a team that's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Jacobs, uh, the son of Qualcomm founder Erwin Jacobs and the former uh, vice president of marketing there, uh, is now in, the, in the, the, the resort development area. And he, his imagination is pretty much incredible. He's brought mm-hmm. in the Smithsonian Institution oh, like that. into the deal uh, so that the public can see uh, some of their, uh, their, the accumulated assets of the Smithsonian that are oriented towards the water. Uh, a new aquarium that's going to be, a, I call it a four-dimensional experience because it's going to incorporate not just live fish, but also uh, uh, you know, uh, virtual reality experiences, enhanced um, it, enhanced experiences is kind of the new thing in entertainment. Mm. Uh, and also uh, 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 three hotels, one of them uh, a, a, a hostel uh, that will, you know, that pretty much anyone can afford to stay in. And that's a rarity, mm. uh, not just in San Diego, but anywhere near the water. Yeah. Uh, a second one, a, a, a kind of a mid-priced hotel. And then also Sir Richard Branson uh, has now developed the Virgin brand of hotels, one in Chicago, and, and they'll be building a Virgin here. Wow. And also a, a really incredible uh, spire that'll go up about 400 feet in the air. And it's a, it's a slow-moving gondola that winds its way up the spire and then back down. So instead of a big wheel that you'll see in many places in the world, we'll have a very unique and iconic uh, way to observe, you know, all the way down into Baja. Kind of like a high-tech space needle that we have at SeaWorld, except even bigger and better, right? Both. Yeah. But, but that's so cool because most tourists I know who come to visit San Diego never really perceive Seaport Village to be a destination. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, if you added some history and culture to it, it sounds like you guys are on it. So that's exciting. It's exciting to know. So how far along is that? Is it still in the approval process? So uh, the GAFCON proposal uh, was selected from among many that were submitted to us. Uh, We selected their vision, uh, and and we are uh, talking exclusively with them now, Mm -hmm. uh, not with any of the other proposers. Uh, and and something of this scale, I mean, they're going to be investing, you know, well over a billion dollars mm-hmm. in this project, and so and it and it's, you know, there are many many issues to be faced: sure. uh, traffic, uh, parking, yeah. uh, how we're going to keep it uh, a really vibrant experience for the public, and and of of whether people just want to do stuff for free. Mm-hmm. For instance, that spire. Uh, you can climb it for free, just like you can go up the Statue of Liberty for free. So, you know, or you can pay the 20 bucks or whatever it will be to take the ride. But mm-hmm. uh, we want people to be able to walk around pretty much anywhere and to enjoy the space, regardless of how much money they're prepared to spend. Did, did the Chargers ask if you could sneak a football stadium in there? Oh, just kidding. Never mind. I wanted, actually, I did want to get your opinion on this. If, if you don't want to issue one, that's fine. But, uh, you know, I'm all in favor. The mayor's task force said keep it in Mission Valley, and I'm all in favor of trying to refurbish it, uh, the, the existing structure, if they can do that without spending a billion four, a billion seven for uh, another monstrosity. But... Uh, do you want? You have any thoughts on that, Bob? Or do you want? Is well, that not be? You know, I, I mean, I have you know very good friends on both sides of that issue. And one thing that people will tell you is, I always stand with my friends. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm in favor of the um, NFL putting in a special rule that allows the Chargers to play only three quarters. <laughs> You know, I, I think I might get some votes for that. I, I, I think, can probably get you uh, the resolution think, of support from exactly. the court commission. I think they're already abiding by that rule, Richard. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, well, that's what they do. Can we just make it official? 
Unbelievable. So uh, Harbor Island, I know there's some re- recent uh, contentiousness uh, regarding uh, or competition regarding some projects down there. You want to enlighten us on that, Bob? Sure. You know, as I mentioned earlier, with the with the uh, airport's construction of the new rental car facility, a two million square foot rental car facility, which, by the way, is a great public be- uh, uh, building. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it's great, incredible. A great credit to the leadership of, of uh, Robert Gleason, is Chairman. That, and, is that the one that uh, uh, parallel to I five that looks like has like sailing? Uh, yes. Maritime. Yes. Uh, motif on there. Right. And that's, and that's directly which, across from the port headquarters also. Which, by the way, is a footnote, and, and Bob, you probably know this, but all the structures, the hotels, everything along the harbor has to have some kind of uh, sailing or maritime motif in the design. Isn't that correct? Like, well, there needs to be public art that's incorporated right. But I mean, into like it, the Marriott or, looks like a sail, in the, right? Yeah, I mean, but it, it does, the, the, that rule doesn't really you know exist because I'm not sure how you would classify the Hilton next to it, which is a, a much more, I think, beautiful but austere, mm-hmm. you know, rectangular. Uh, uh, vertical structure. Well, I like the footbridge there too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no, that bridge is great. Yeah. You know, uh, but back so, to Harbor Island. Okay. Yeah. So on Harbor Island, anyway. So so with the rental cars moving off, we're finally able to open up all the eastern area of of Harbor Island for uh, more inclusive uses, other than you know returning your car. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we've selected two uh, different companies to develop two different parts of that. Uh, uh, Oliver McMillan, which is doing, it's a homegrown company right here in San Diego, but it's doing you know incredible projects all over the country right now. Uh, will have the the lead on most of that. They've got a design that includes uh, canals that you can go down and and take a kayak or you know I don't know you could probably go on, a, on an inner tube. Get a gondola and, going there, and <laughs> and that too. But but again, we we, we want to make things such that although they may be uh, a lot of the attractions are you know really there for the the broader public. Uh, like hotels, we want people who live in town to be even around the state to just be able to wander in and wander around and enjoy the land. This is their land. This isn't the port's land. This is the land of the people of California. Hey, have you been to Belmont Park lately? Richard knows those people. They've done a very nice redevelopment. Have you seen it? I have not. Oh, my gosh. Check we, it out. It's really we got to cool. take them to draft and, and all those places. By the way, there's an amazing sandcastle down at the foot of Broadway right now. Really? You've got to go see it. Huh. Just amazing. Okay, but back, I mean, that's not Belmont Park, that's downtown. No, downtown. No, yeah. but that's good. Of Broadway, an amazing sandcastle. Yeah. But anyway, I, I would commend that to you. Talk about a place that uh, both visitors and residents can enjoy. Belmont Park is probably one of the best, right? I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so Harbor Island, well, that's right near Costera over there you're talking, right? Right, right. Okay. So, so the, the, where, the Costera restaurant, great restaurant, by the way, and, mm-hmm. and encourage people to come by and have a wonderful dinner there or at Island Prime right next door or mm-hmm. Sea Level. Mm-hmm. We've got 73 restaurants that are on the port land. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are one of the things we're proudest about because it's just, you know, and the latest being Carnitas Snack Shop yeah. down right by the Sandcastle you're Love talking it. about, right near the... Love so, Yeah, mm-hmm. and... Uh, so they're they're in the new uh, uh, what's called the North Embarcadero Visionary Plan area, which is right by the between the B Street Pier and uh, where the cruise ships are and the uh, Midway. And what we got a few minutes. So what's going to replace Anthony's Harborside? I know that's coming up. Uh, it's a great project. Uh, uh, the uh, the Morton family that are the so they they have the Brigantine restaurants and also Miguel's restaurants. They're uh, going to be uh, uh, putting in a complex that has. Uh, a brigantine, so mm-hmm. you know, seafood oriented. Mm-hmm. Uh, an, a great Miguel's, which is you know, uh, Mexican and Mexican seafood mm-hmm. oriented. And then they also have a um, a new product called uh, Ketch, 
uh, K E T C H, and mm-hmm. uh, then and and uh, they're going to have a, a great uh, beer tasting. Uh, they're going to have I don't know how many taps, probably dozens, <laughs> so that someone can wander in and can have you know hopefully smaller but several uh, uh, different well, brews. Well, like the, dra- the world's most amazing fish taco. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. They're All great. these places like Draft has about a hundred. I know Slater's fifty mm-hmm. fifty been a guest on the show. They have about a, a hundred taps. Uh, so the craft beer is really taken off uh, in this town. We're so. the Napa Valley of, of beer. <laughs> Yes, we, we certainly are. Hey, we got to wrap it right there, though. I hear music. Yes, Commissioner Bob Nelson. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for being our guest. Richard, great seeing you. Justin Hart, our board operator, thanks for making us sound terrific. Thanks to Craig Blanking, our account executive, and to Dave Sniff, our programming genius here at KFMB. All these podcasts are commercial-free on iWomany.com. You have a great week, everybody. See you next time. Bye-bye.